Brother Drew, I really appreciate your sermon this morning on truth. And tonight I'm speaking on better versus bitter. So maybe it's the better truth versus the bitter truth. We'll find out here in a moment. As we're outside walking around or we're on a path, we'll see uh, the ground, the surface, or the surface of a pathway. But that doesn't mean that we see beneath it. Or if we could, we would be able to see uh, there's a wealth of riches down there. Oil, gas, water, gold, silver, minerals, precious stones, and others. But the same is what we find in our scriptures when we read them. The difference being <clears throat> that we have to dig and delve into the scriptures and not just be on the surface in order for us to find the riches of the scriptures and to be filled spiritually. And this, in reading commentaries and different translations, this will help us to grow in our maturity in the scripture and knowing and finding out the riches of them. Uh, tonight I'm going to refer to Psalms, and but primarily uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, which was written by Solomon. Now, in the book of Ecclesiastes, <clears throat> if you break down each chapter, you would have these topic headings. Vanity of vanities, all is in vain. Pleasure is vain. Great works are vain. A time for everything. Oppression by others increase vanity. The increase of vanity. Caution against hasty vows. The vanity and evils of life. Choose the better things. Wisdom is better than wealth. Self-righteousness, do not trust in might, discoveries of a backslider, respect for rulers, the inequities of life, all things come alike to all, not just some. Principles for living, wisdom is better than strength, wisdom and folly. Wise men and fools. Doing good things. Remembering your creator. Heed the words of the wise. And the book of Ecclesiastes concludes with the chief duties of man. God is not concerned about us being momentarily happy as he is about us being mature. We wonder why he doesn't seem to answer the prayer on the side of a road when your car breaks down and you got a flat tire, or why he is silent during this and that crisis. God seems cruel and unfeeling at those moments. Where are you, God? Why would you allow this to happen? But the truth is that even though he hurts for us, he knows that he protected 
us from every inconvenience, we would never cease being infants in faith. There must be rain and must even be a few tornadoes and wildfires. Such is the university of life. The purpose of life is not happiness, according to Solomon. But as we take the blows that life brings us on the way home from the valleys and the mountaintops, as we suffer the unpitying rain that falls on the just as well as the unjust, as we keep right on moving down towards heaven on earth, often not happy at all, actually miserable, is more like it. We begin to see the light in the distance, and it is in the distance. The light at the end of the tunnel, we begin to realize that when we reach the final destination, then we will be paid richly in the coin of happiness. We will realize that until now, we never knew what happiness was and never could have enjoyed it so richly now with out the sorrow that was preparing our hearts all along the path. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon gained some insight on these issues of thinking of his father David, the king of Israel, and this was before Solomon's reign. David's Psalm 16 so captures the spirit, and Solomon is advising. It is paraphrased, and the paraphrase comes from Dr. David Jeremiah. So if you're looking in chapter 16 in Psalms, it's not going to read as I'm going to read it. The message. Keep me safe, O God. I run for dear life to you. I say to God, be my Lord. Without you, nothing makes sense. And these God-chosen lives all around what splendid friends they make. Don't just go shopping for a God. Gods are not for sale. I swear I'll never treat God names like brand names. My choice is you, God, first and only. And now I find I'm your choice. You set me up with a house and a yard. And then you made me your heir. The wise counsel God gives when I'm awake is confirmed by my sleeping heart. Day and night, I'll stick with God. I've got a good thing going, and I'm not letting go. I'm happy from the inside out and from the outside in. And I'm firmly formed. You canceled my ticket to hell. That's not my destination. Now you've got my feet on life's path. All radiant from the shining of your face. Ever since you took my hand, I'm on the right path. As was mentioned before, Often we're not happy, but more often 
sort of on the miserable side. And that happiness is not the purpose of life. But now we will touch on what is the joy of misery. He said, wow, where are you going with this? To get us into an understanding and what is meant by this, we will need to take a little quiz. So each one of you is going to take your own individual quiz. It's true, false. The only person going to grade it is not me, but the Lord. So enjoy as I read and you take your quiz. I like laughter better than crying. I like weddings better than funerals. I like thinking of my birthday better than my dying day. I like compliments better than criticisms. I like shortcuts better than the long way around. And I like good old days than the way things are now. Now, if you mark true on any of those or all of those statements, you and I flunked the quiz. You see, Solomon would have said that his test key would have all had false answers. He prefers crying, funerals, death reflections, criticism, the harder way, and the bad old days. We could surmise that Solomon is somewhat of a sadistic person. We could say that he's glutton for a punishment or cruising for a bruising. However, as we read in Ecclesiastes 7, 1 through 10, we can begin to see that he is trying to teach us what most teachers would avoid due to what seems to be totally negative. The key word in Ecclesiastes 7, 1 through 10 is better. It is the same word used in the quiz the Lord shows us some of the medicine that tastes the worst has the cure. In these verses, Solomon is going to prick or prod us into thinking out of the box, not traditional way of thinking. The first thing he tells us is that sorrow is better than laughter. And he's not joking around about it. In Ecclesiastes 7.1, funerals are better than festivals. A good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death than the day of one's birth. And you say, I'm not getting it. Believe me, I wasn't getting it either. Death better than birth. It's not that Solomon is buying into the philosophy of despair. It is that if that were true, then he would not tell us eight different times in this book to enjoy life. You see, the Lord has Solomon are in favor, Solomon and the Lord are in favor of joyful, abundant living. In the book of Proverbs, there are at least 30 verses emphasizing the goodness of enjoying life such as. A merry heart makes a cheerful 
countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. In Proverbs 15, 13. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is a, has a merry heart has a continual feast. In Proverbs 15, 15. A merry heart does good, like medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Proverbs 17, 22. Solomon like to have a good laugh, it seems, just like we do. We'd like to have a good laugh. So why does he prefer funerals rather than births? Well, Warren Wearsby has said that laughter is medicine for a broken heart, but sorrow is a hearty meal of the soul. There are two phrases in verse 1. And the first explains the second. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. There are two days in our lives when our names is prominent. The day we received our name at birth and the day that our name appears in the obituary column. What happens between those two determine whether our name is a lovely ointment or a foul stench. The late Bill Bright, founder and president of the Campus Crusade for Christ International, told about growing up in Oklahoma in the 1920s and 30s watching his father and grandfather conduct business affairs with other men. It was all done with a handshake. And Drew and I brought up this discussion about handshakes yesterday, which is almost unheard of today. Because of his grandfather's reputation in the area, he didn't realize exactly how respected his grandfather's name and word really meant until years later, but his legacy lived on, which reminds me of the movie, probably many of you have seen it, Sergeant York, and you remember in that movie, Sergeant York made a deal with a neighbor to buy a piece of land, but his neighbor didn't keep his word, but they shook on it, but in 1948, Bill Wright was driving from California to Oklahoma to marry his sweetheart, Vanetta Zachary. I just wanted y'all to make sure y'all knew who she was. As he passed through Okmulkee, which must be an Indian name, it's not from my vocabulary list, Oklahoma, where his grandfather had lived for many years, he remembered that he had forgotten to purchase gifts from several members members of the wedding party. So stopping at a jewelry store, he asked if he could make a purchase with an out-of-state check. And the owner said, no, it's our store policy. We don't take out-of-state checks. So as he turned to leave, the owner asked him, do you know anyone in Oak Mulkey? Thinking someone might be able to vouch for his honesty. 
No, I don't, Bill replied. My grandfather used to live here, but he died a few years ago. Are you Sam Bright's grandson? The store owner asked, his gaze lighting up as he approached Bill. Why, Sam Bright was the most honorable man I've ever known, and if you are anything like your grandfather, like your grandfather, then I'll sell you anything in the store, and I'll take your check, sir. As a result of looking back on his grandfather's honorable life and standing on the name that he had established in his community, Bill Bright was able to accomplish what he needed to do. That is an example of what Solomon means when he says, a good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death than the day of one's birth. This then causes one to think about the way we mark a person's life, his lifespan. We'll write a person's name, and below it we'll put the year of the birth and the year of the death. Between the two is what? A dash. Solomon might agree that this life is a quick dash between birth and death, just poof, vapor. All we'll ever do on earth, all the influence we'll ever garner, all the reputation we'll ever build up is summarized in a simple line between one year and another. It's not much time to serve God, but plenty of time for making a mess of things. Solomon was suggesting that if you die with a good name, you can no longer do anything to tarnish it. But on the day of your birth, you have an entire life before you yet unwritten. In that respect, if you have a good reputation, the day of your death is better than the day of your birth. Looking back on life, we well-lived is better than looking forward to a life unlived. Ending a good life is better than beginning an unknown one. Mourning is a better teacher than feasting. Better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. In Ecclesiastes 7, 2 through 4, For that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by a sad countenance the heart is made bitter. No, not bitter, made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. Solomon does not want us to spend time thinking about our death, What he wants us to do and to see is that wisdom is forged in the fires of mourning, trouble, and disappointment. That's when we're molded and made. Fools with a frivolous, carefree attitude don't learn from the experiences of life. When men and women face adversity, 
like death, disease, and destruction, they learn fresh lessons from God. They take the lessons to heart and they become better instead of bitter. It is a choice. The great enemy is always ready with his often repeated suggestion, all things are against me. Have you ever had a day where you missed every green light and caught every red light? Spilled your coffee on your clothes? Saw your football team lose in the last minutes of a football game in the fourth quarter? And generally seem to be living a life of grumbling. We all grumble, guys. At some point or another. You grumble, we grumble, I grumble, everything is against me. It's all set up to make your life miserable. However, it is precisely the opposite. God desires to lovingly use every inconvenience, every bad day, every trial to make us stronger, wiser, and closer to him. He uses it. There's an old clipping from a devotional book, Our Daily Bread, which we're all familiar with, the book that is, that illustrates this is, this line in a practical way. During World War II in Sussex, England, uh, during World War II, uh, a gentleman sent to the Scripture Gift Mission uh, some money. And he enclosed a letter saying that he longed to give more, but the harvest on his farm had been very disappointing because of the lack of water. Can you imagine England having a lack of water? Blimey, mate. He was also fearful because the German bombs were being dropped in the area and his family and farm were at risk. He asked the workers of the Scripture Gift Ministry to pray that no bombs would fall on his land. So, Mr. Ashley Baker wrote back, from the mission and said that while he didn't feel led to pray that exact same prayer, he had prayed that God's will for their lives would prevail. Shortly after, a huge German missile crashed down on the farm. None of the man's family or livestock was harmed, but the bombshell went so far into the ground that it liberated a submerged stream of water. The stream yielded enough water to irrigate the man's farm and all of his neighbors. The next year, due to the bountiful harvest, the man was able to send a large offering to the mission. Sometimes even bombs are blessings. They fall from heaven, make a lot of noise, and liberate something wonderful within each one of us. Streams of living water that refresh us and draw us closer to Christ. Of course, we never seek the bombs or the burdens. 
We like parties. Truth is that no one grows wiser who lives the party life. The year in your life or ours when everything goes well is the year you gain the least amount of maturity. As someone says, if we learn from our mistakes, we ought to become PhDs by now. We should also be the wiser in our faith. I can speak from experience the richest and most probing times in our lives as an adult in dealing and coping with difficulties is I never sought it, I never welcomed it, but I'll never have doubted the blessings that God has indeed showered upon me and you through it. There are things I simply could never have learned in my life through, the, through life's ebbs and flow of the low valleys and the mountaintops, which has led to the successes in my life and your life. That's why God isn't concerned about our being momentarily happy as he is about us being mature enough to know that his hand is in it. In closing, I have three short things I'll share with you. Life in Just a Minute by Dr. Benjamin Elijah, an educator. Life is just a minute, only 60 seconds. In it, forced upon you, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it. But it's up to you to use it. You must suffer if you lose it. Give an account if you abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. As someone once said in the choir of life, it's easy to fake the words, but someday each of us will have to sing a solo before God. I'm speaking on behalf of Brother Larry and myself. Uh, there is no short route and there's no pantomiming. We will come face to face. Life. Life is uncertain. Embrace it. Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6. Life is short. Enjoy it. Ecclesiastes 11, 7, 12 through 8. Life is mysterious. Examine it. Ecclesiastes 12, 9 through 12. Life is obedience. Express it. Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14. And three additions. Life is seeing a need, so meet it. Life is giving, so give it. Life is loving, so love one another.